Welcome to the Heaven on Earth podcast, a world where you study the story you were born into and redesign it into the story you choose. A world where you can have heaven on earth right here, right now, no matter the past. For me, heaven on earth is a holistic experience, leading with the heart, engaging with mind, body, and spirit. It's mindful, fostering calm and secure attachments. As we rise into consciousness, it's an earthly journey where we sensually embrace dynamic living. Okay. okay. Buen día, buenos días. Welcome, welcome to Heaven on Earth podcast. This is my third episode, and it's such a gift and a pleasure to do this together. And Kaylee, I just want us to be in flow. We are doing a mutual project together. We've done a few projects. But um, really, you know, we've been walking this heaven on earth journey for clearly, it's going on two years now. So, and I'd love for us to talk about this heaven on earth journey. And to anyone who's watching us, the way that I'm going to be doing these episodes is some of them is going to be me solo, where I'm just talking about what I believe about heaven on earth, sharing my experiences, but also having people like Kaylee on the podcast to, because she is an expert at heaven on earth for sure. Um, well, it's something that I feel like in your presence, right. Is, is heaven and just noticing, I think we both feel like how much who we surround ourselves with, how we spend our time, the things that we think about and speak into the world, like just how much all of this matters so much. And I'm just so grateful for how our friendship started, how it's going, where it's going. And yeah, we've been on this journey for the last two years, but I know we've also been like walking this path kind of alone our entire lives, exactly, not really knowing it. And it's like, now we're coming together and we're bringing more people together and we're starting something so much bigger than I'm pretty sure either of us really realized when we like started making decisions that set us on a different course. So I'm so happy to be here. And I loved being in your home recently and sharing coffee in person. And I know it's nice to do it from afar. So <laughs> exactly. Con un cafecito uh, with a little coffee cup in the morning. Um, and we both love morning energy. So that's why we're doing this in the morning. Keely, I absolutely love that image. Um, because part of what you and I talk about nonstop is being the empath. And listen, it's a little spastic right now, but, but this idea that the empath, um, has been party of one for so long and, um, didn't even know that, didn't even know that, that, I, you know, I've described this image of the empath being that little kid who was under the covers at night, figuring things out nonstop, that ruminating self, but also that the kid with the backpack, literally, we laughed that you'd actually had the backpack with all your books. And I had 
the rolling suitcase, right? Because we're also really nerdy, nerdy. I love how like you you one up to me when I was sharing that story. I'm like, as a freshman in high school, my friends called me turtle because I carried all my books on my in my backpack. I didn't want to return to my homeroom. I didn't want to be late to class, aka not three minutes early, you know, ready to go. And so I'm telling you this, and you're like, hold on. I had a rolly suitcase backpack, and I was like, you were one of those kids. And I was un- unapologetic because I was like, I am serious about my studies. That's how I felt too. I was like, you can make fun of me, but like, I'm early, I'm on time, I'm getting the best grades. I'm, you know, like, I'm on a mission, you know? Uh, and, um, but I think the characteristic there isn't so much, um, you know, even feeling that way because as, as young empaths, there was so much an- internal anxiety. It was mostly like, I, uh, the empath. <laughs> goes all in. They just mm. take things super seriously. And one of, I have this, you know, traditional characteristics of the empath, but I also have this like random notations, anecdotal characteristics that I've noticed. And one of them is even in my sessions with people, the people who pull out a journal to write, <laughs> even during psychotherapy sessions, I'm like, okay, empath, right? Who who take things so seriously that even during their psychotherapy sessions, they're studying themselves. They're, the idea of studying is so important. But anyway, let's not even jump too quickly. Let's start with who you are. People don't even know. Now they know that you were just sort of, you uh, know, 100% girl in high school. But so Kaylee O'Keefe is the founder of Soul Excellent Excellence Ventures and publishing. And let's, can I just, can you tell us a little bit about that? How many books so far have Soul Excellence published in the last three years? And how many countries and how many authors? Please. Yeah, so... So Soul Excellence Publishing, our mission is to amplify the wisdom of conscious, courageous leaders. And the way that we do that is by bringing people together to share stories about the inner world, about their convictions, and to share things that they might be afraid or ashamed to share by themselves. And so what's really incredible about this model that I've built is bringing people together sharing a chapter in a multi-author book, and then launching it as a way to essentially come out of the closet with a series of convictions or ways of being in the world that have been hidden. So what's so fascinating as we've published 17 books in the last three years, which is crazy when I think about it, especially because I had no background in publishing, although I grew up as someone who loved reading, loved media. Like this is I'm realizing more and more this is my wheelhouse, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. we published 17 books and this has been with over 500 leaders. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to say 17 countries. Like I was looking at the stats this morning. I'm like, wait a second. We have one in Jamaica and USVI and, um, and four different continents actually. So we, we still need to, to touch South America, um, and like, and Asia. So I got you, I got you there. I got you. Let's do Um, South America. But the reason why these experiences are so powerful is it's not just about 
writing a chapter, publishing a book or becoming an author. Everything is designed for this to be a transformative experience, starting with inner reflection, expression of your voice, and then the opportunity to innovate by putting out new concepts into the world. Concepts like the diversity and humanity, which you and I can talk more about. And you wrote a beautiful chapter in like that book is just, it's like, it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving to the world, but putting out themes like diversity and humanity, the great leadership awakening, black Utah, STEM century, Amazing. data, like these are basically concepts that didn't exist before. And that's what this whole company is about, is about speaking new things into existence, which you and I can talk more about how this is not about just inverting the war vibe or doing the same thing with a different message. Like it's truly finding different ways to connect, communicate, collaborate, and pave the way to heaven on. Yes. Um, It's really special. Yes. Yes, Kaylee. So if we, if, you know, if we can riff just a little bit as we always do, like for me, okay, so hold on for me, the experience of soul excellence is, um, and when I met you and when I, I, I'm, we, we'll, we'll talk about how we met and how we came together, but when I really started to discover the work that you were doing through the books that you were publishing, it fits so beautifully in my vision of where we're headed as people, as empaths, but also as a planet. Um, because, okay, so I talk about healing the individual heals the planet. And part of what I see is your gift and how you're gifting people really for reals, for reals, is that it's non-hierarchical. Mm. I think you're giving a voice to people that might feel like who me, right? They might feel like who me, that it it is not about um, name dropping, that you are actually providing this amazing structure because you structure it. What I would call, you've heard me say this, that you do this secure parenting because most people are nervous about writing a book, about becoming an author, especially about becoming really public and visible, right? Once they have a book out there, they're visible. So I feel that you match this new earth living where where anyone gets to be the protagonist, the Mm -hmm. creator, and the designer in their story. It's not at all hierarchical anymore where... If you've got the money, if you've got the name, in Spanish we would say, um, "¿Cuál es tu segundo apellido?" Which means, "What is what is your second last name?" Which immediately ranks you, right? Like, what's your first name and what's your second last name? Mm-hmm. In New Earth, we get to be the protagonist of our story and the story that we write, and you and Soul Excellence truly create the space for that. And when I've invited people, let me just say one more yeah. thing, because I have so many things to say about soul excellence, which is why our merging is so powerful, is that I feel that, for example, when I invite people to go to soul excellence to say, hey, write your chapter, write your book, truly, Kaylee, I feel that it's, as a psychotherapist, it's self-esteem graduation. Yeah. 
I really do because they find themselves in a place where they are courageous enough, willing enough. It doesn't mean they're not nervous or afraid, but they're willing to say, I'm going to write my chapter or my book um, with a secure parent, which Mm -hmm. is you who guides them. You're so gentle about your edits and your feedback and they get to shine. That is graduate self-esteem graduation, self-love graduation. Really, Kaylee. And and I know you're like, wait, I'm just a publisher. But no, for me, there's so much more that you do that fits into my own mission, as you know. Well, gosh, I mean, you just gave me so many things right there. Cause I'm with you, right? That I'm I'm not just a publisher. And there's a younger version of me that was super smart, you know, in January of 2020 that like got this idea for soul excellence that incorporated this company as soul excellence ventures. And I think by doing that, even putting that word out there, it was creating this whole universe or umbrella for something much bigger to emerge. And that's the moment that you and I are in right now of saying, wait a second, publishing is about expressing one's voice, but now it's about it's about continuing to shine that light. It's about becoming a full media company. It's about finding ways to uplift this new generation of leaders. And it's it's not the names that we all know right now. Like as you and I've mm-hmm. talked about, they've served an important purpose of being a bridge to where we're headed. And now I'm like, okay, this this has been a four way to, to, to your point of like, allowing people to see themselves, to have this self-esteem graduation, mm-hmm. to steal themselves internally for what's to come next on this journey. And, and for me as a leader of this company of like, okay, how will we play a role in supporting this now super powerful, potent and global and diverse group of leaders, like mm-hmm. in terms of age ranges, careers, skin, race, relig- like everything, you know, um, ways of thinking, ways of being, all of it. And, um, you know, you, you got me thinking though, it's like, I really, um, when you were talking about hierarchy, you know, growing up, it was very important for me to, I was very aware of the hierarchy, very aware of what it meant to be successful in the world. And I know this story resonates with so many people who are waking up at this moment where you get on the high achiever path, you know, from turtle backpack to then, okay, I need to get into the best school and then find the best career and and did all of those things. And, and soul excellence was really born out of a realization that uh, two things, that there was no external achievement. So whether it was graduating, you know, top of my class at Duke or working at an early stage tech company in San Francisco that was super successful, like there was nothing that was filling this, this sort of hole in, or just sense of self in a way. And so noticing that, and then also noticing that I was like yearning to represent these organizations and companies that slowly over time, I began to see that our values weren't aligned, that the things that I care about, you know, wisdom, excellence, truth, joy, you know, most people will pay lip service to, but it doesn't resonate throughout the organization. And so I found myself, and I not realizing this was a characteristic of, of being an empath, of just often disheartened. So, and to your point about seriousness, like, why aren't we taking this like more seriously, like our goals, our vision, like how we're building the company. And so, and so noticing all of these things is really what led me at, um, 
well, I can talk about the whole spiritual awakening, but the short version, at least for right now, is to like just rip the bandaid off and say, okay, I, I have this idea for soul excellence. I want to create spaces for people like me to start to it, it not even heal or process, but to create the space to step into a new version of themselves and a new world. And publishing somewhat inadvertently became the perfect vehicle for me personally. And then for the leaders that I work with to, to do just that. Just beautiful. The written word. So let's, you know, I talk about on this podcast and my, my, on, on in podcast too, I describe this idea of two ideas that I'd love for you to, I'm going to invite you to, to talk about. So the idea that the all is in the small and the small is in the all, which was a phrase that came to me in a dream, meaning that the individual journey is representative of the collective journey. And what's happening in the collective is also representative of what's happening inside of us. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea of sort of fractal, fractal approach to life and, and universality and quantum entanglement, all of that, right? But Keely, so that's one one concept, meaning how your individual journey is representing what is happening on the planet. That's number one. Number two is I do want you to talk about what I call volume one, volume two, and volume three of our lives. Volume one being the story we were born into. Yeah. With all the introjects, with things that we 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 just took in. Volume two is sort of the awakening and awakening can happen with DUIs, with (laughs) failed relations, not failed, but you know, toxic relationships for sure. Or, and sometimes awakening can just happen because all of a sudden you have a, a profound spiritual experience or an NDE or so that's volume two. And then volume three is the heaven on earth journey. And the heaven on earth journey is the story we choose, the the life that we choose, the moments we choose, the beingness that we choose. It's our designed story. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Yes. Like okay. how that happened for you. I feel like I need to go brew another pot of coffee. Exactly. Please. Otro cafecito, por favor. <laughs> Let me go to your first question of like the the all and the small, the small and the all. And, you know, what came to me as you were saying that is right now how I'm beginning to notice and appreciate how if I look back on my life and the various decisions that I've made and moments in time, it, it feels like I've always been a little bit not far ahead, but a few years ahead of where the masses are. Mm-hmm. Meaning that even the decision to leave corporate and start this and like really turn inward, which like then the pandemic happened. And as you shared in your last podcast, everyone had to turn inward. And it's something I had been doing for a while. Um, or even if we think right now, the rise of spirituality and and recovery programs. That was something I was exploring in my mid twenties. And then if I look all the way back to being a child who cared so much about, um, I was going to say sentimentality, but it wasn't that like 
thoughtfulness and care and really seeing someone and knowing someone and feeling like we're also at a moment in time where people are craving presence, they're craving connection, they're craving people who can show up and witness them and not be distracted like with their own internal stuff or literally with everything that's vying for our attention. And so there's these little hits where I feel like if I look at my own journey and story, it is indicative of where the collective is at and wants to go, which is like, we, we want more presence. We want more care. We want more spaciousness. We want more creative willpower in our lives. Like all of these things that I feel like I've been experimenting with, like just ahead of the masses. And, and, you know, one of my friends called me a trailblazer yesterday and I was like, Hmm, it's, it's more like a, that kind of fits. But what I felt resonated more is like someone who likes to, um, move the brush out of the way of an old trail that we've forgotten. So it's a return, a remembrance. It's a, you know, it's like, it's pulling the vines away from the door to the secret garden that we forgot was there. Yes, yes, yes. It's sort of like a little a priori, which we talked about in in diversity, but it it is like, it's an actual going back. It's an actual coming home. And in the all is in the small, it's, it's coming home to very profound human traits. If, If we talk about where humanity is and what humanity is urging for, is is this highlighting of care and details and intimacy and tenderness. I love that, Kaylee. I love that image <clears throat> of the yeah, vines. It, that feels as much as like I, I love paying attention, obviously, to futuristic things and the idea of like outer space and all. And I'm like, yes, let's go there and do all that. But I feel like my role here is more of the that like that remembrance, that coziness, that cuddling, that like, oh, let's go back there, you know, and bring all of that with us and make sure that we're not just creating a very mechanistic transactional society. Because I think we've kind of experimented with that the last 20 years. And, you know, the results are pretty obvious in terms of depression, suicide, loneliness, health crisis, like, you can look around and be like, things are not great in the world. And it's because like we, we, we're putting a lot of barriers in between ourselves and others when it comes to intimacy. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. And I think, you know, that I posit and we'll go back between the all and the small. Yeah. And I can, and I can work on the whole arc. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Because it's so, well, because it is one in the same, right? Without it, within, I mean, if we, if we want to talk about the book that we just co-authored together, which was diversity in humanity is, is sort of this idea that without those human traits like care, I posit, of course, that care, what you're talking about, and human intimacy is what keeps us alive as a humanity. That otherwise, without it, it's it's all these institutions that care, right? Like hospitals and 
and people who help and people who who watch out for each other and people who check in on the neighbor, like all of this going back to those, that human tech, as Amanda would say, right. Amanda Flaker, who we both know and adore. And she was part of my awakening, certainly my, my a hundredth awakening, but during, (laughs) during the pandemic, Amanda Flaker had such a huge, huge part of my, um, my heaven on earth awakening. But part of it is this idea, and I think you're talking about, of urging. You keep following your urge. I know that I keep following my urge, and we don't know exactly where it's taking us. Um, And it does feel like, I always say, it's just a few steps before the wave hits, Mm -hmm. right? It's not over here. It's not super, like... um, ahead of the times. No. And some people are called to be really ahead of the time. Pioneer. Yeah. Yes. True trailblazing and get the hard hits for that. I feel that you and I connect on the fact that we're, we're just a few steps before that curve. And it's about this urge. And I would say, in my case, like a feeling of a spiritual calling that happens of do this. Um, and you certainly, that's what you're describing. So Kaylee, how did talk, talk to us. So you, you were on a pretty intense trajectory before the, before the pandemic. Yeah. So, so yeah. So volume one of my, my story, you know, is, is the story of Kaylee Marie O'Keefe, you know, born, <laughs> to two young parents in Massachusetts. And, you know, I would very quickly become the oldest of four children. You know, me, my two brothers and sister, there's only five and a half years that separate all of us. So I'm starting to realize, I'm like, man, I was, I was an only child for all of like three months, you know, before my mom was pregnant with my brother. I'm like, oh, (laughs) you're like, oh, those are my relationship issues. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I really crave being seen and heard and given attention to. Like, yeah. Um, and uh, and it's so funny. Like, as as I've learned more from you about what it means to be an empath, right? It makes so much of my childhood make sense. Like, when I think of my childhood, for example, give some examples. For example, like the fact that this is one of my main memories is bizarre until I understood about being an empath. Like I have a distinct memory of being at a ground round restaurant in Southern New Hampshire. And this was back in the day where restaurants had a smoking and non-smoking section. (laughs) And I was there with my family and we're guided to a table. You know, we all had to be like under six years old And I remember being at the table and being so aware of how we were behaving. And when the waitress came and said to my parents, like, you have such well-behaved children, like, I took that as the biggest badge of honor. Like, it meant, the fact that I remember, like, it just, it meant so much to me Mm -hmm. as the oldest, as, like, clearly early on, too, like, really feeling that I represented this family mm-hmm. as the oldest of mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and so my, 
my childhood, I mean, I was very empath in the sense that I loved journaling. I loved writing. I loved school. I loved playing sports. And um, the, oh, the one other thing about being an empath realizing too, is like going to the mall with my mom as a child was the most difficult experience for me. Like some, even still, as you know, like me and airports, like I have to do a lot of work to be like, okay, like you can handle this. Um, but malls as a child too, are like, Oh, this, this feels like the energy here just feels off. Um, but my, my volume one was your, your typical, like high achieving oldest child story. Sorry. I think you're going to say something. Yeah. Well, what I want to highlight there for maybe, you know, even just people listening to us, like, and, and they might be discovering that they're empaths. What, what, yeah. what you're describing here is this organic characteristic of self-reflection mm. that might include journaling, might include being quiet, might include being very observant of environments. Um, and sort of this idea of loving, you know, just being in your room writing and reading that there's this profound and very rich internal awareness and experience. Um, and also, you know, one of the places that we are wounded and Amanda talks about this a lot is sort of like being the good kid, right? Yeah. Really, really, because we tend to naturally and organically want to harmonize environments. It's just a characteristic we will balance out the mm -hmm. conflicted environment, the disorganized environment. It is part of our nature, our, our empath tech to start harmonizing the environment. And so being the good kid is, you know, that's what's striking me about that story as well. And, and then lastly, of course, which is sort of the more traditional is being a little overstimulated in places like malls and airports <laughs> and like literally being very and not knowing why, but it's because you're picking up on all of that energy that's happening around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and being like, why are people enjoying being here? You know, like couldn't, couldn't get it. And sure. I think the, the good girl thing, and now I'm starting to reflect on too, is this, um, kind of not properly seeing ourselves. So even for example, like, so by the time we're in eighth grade, my family's living in South Florida, I'm going to public school, I'm playing soccer, I'm on the morning announcements, you know, giving the sports report every day about the Tequesta Trace Cougars, and uh, <laughs> playing in the marching band, you know, all of these things. And I wanted to go to this prestigious Catholic high school, St. Thomas Aquinas. And it just, that's where I knew I needed to be. I was I am Catholic. And at that moment in time, I was going through my confirmation, like being Catholic was also a very central part of my identity. And so like I, I needed to get into this school is how I felt. And I felt, again, all of this pressure as the oldest child, like I have to get in not just for myself, but for all of my siblings. Mm -hmm. And then that pressure of like, I go to public school, I don't go to Catholic school right now. So like, I don't have an automatic sort of in and so imagine just the buildup and you know how like 1999 Y2K, New Year's Eve, my parents throw a big party. Everyone's going wild downstairs, like full balloon drop. You know, someone's cousin is like throwing, you know, all this stuff. And I'm upstairs and I'll never forget my Tommy Hilfiger, like long overalls and my like light blue three quarter shirt laying on my bed with my Sprite. 
and this super thick, I think it's called HSPT, like high school prep exam book, just doing problem sets to prepare for the entrance exam, you know, for this test. And um, the day that the letter comes back saying whether or not you've gone into this high school, like I'm out playing a soccer game. My parents are like, hey, we got the letter. And, you know, I take it, I go hide in the car to open it, even though it's already open. So like they know, and I open it and it's like, not only did I get in, you know, 99 percentile in every single test score. And it's like all of this fear, all of this, like not seeing self or like, am I good? And like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there was all this from a very early age, sort of fear of failure, fear of letting people down and not even seeing that, like kind of just naturally by who I am and how I operate, like was achieving the things that I desire. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. 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 Which is something we talk about a lot now is not really seeing and recognizing our giftedness actually, that is actually a natural um, it's an actual impulse to 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 want to really um, show up. Yeah. So I always say to empaths, listen, when you really acknowledge your giftedness, you're not showing off, which is what the empath feels. I don't want to show off. So yeah. they tend to hide. It's showing up. But Kaylee, what you're also saying is, I think it's also the wound of not being seen. So we don't see ourselves. There's no mirror. So that muscle of, yeah. oh, I, you know, it will be okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be afraid, right? That, yeah. that That's a woundedness there. Well, right. Like, I, like the whole origin of I think that is coming mm-hmm. home with like 99s on exams and being asked by my mom, oh, well, did anyone get 100? So it's like that that's a strong memory that I have. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how that 1% um, speaking to creates this enormous, as you were saying, this enormous hole of not enoughness, um, the not enough program, right? That we're all running, like it wasn't enough. And that little 1%, actually completely cancels out the 99. Yeah. Right? It and it becomes what we focus on for all of our life until we heal. Mm. Till we're we're healing from it. Um and that and as you know that's what I'm saying about volume 2 is like these this not enough these not enough eruptions of that program and we're either healing that actively or not. Yeah. It's it's another way to think about what I now call the most important equation to understand. And it's the equation you taught me one over negative one is negative one. And it's something I just taught to some people in a program I'm running right now, like two days ago, you know, cause I was in this place of like negative wanting everything. And, and now actually this is helping me see like just how deep that runs. Um, 
that 1% like negating, you know, all of the work, all of the effort, all of the energy that went into like get the grade or whatever. And so, I mean, the rest of volume one is, is basically that same story played out, played out in high school where my sole mission was to get into a top university. It played out again, you know, while I was at Duke, like it just, that, that same thing played out that feeling of never enough. And then also overcompensating were the things that I did cherish about myself, the, the softness, the creativity, the writing, the reflection, sort of looking around the world and being like, oh, this isn't really respected. Uh, this is not going to be lucrative. Like, so it's like stuff, 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 stuff. And make sure that you get into management consulting, make sure that you live in Washington, DC. Like it was a lot of like, make sure you follow this path energy. And the rest of volume one is like ignoring a lot of the heart stuff. And of course, how it ended, you know, up coming out sideways is, you know, early twenties, having a very serious problem with alcohol, completely ignoring my sexuality um, and, and living in a state where, yeah, like I love that we talked about the 99 versus 1% where just like that 1% is all I could focus on. And it, it created that pattern of like not, no achievement could satisfy. And, and, that's and also sort of like thing. being really away from the self, right? Because I think um, volume one can, we do have moments of the self, as you were describing sort of these moments of, of, of journaling of, we have these little moments where the self is like, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. And then, and then, over alcoholizing or over medicating or over sexing or whatever it is that we overeating, whatever it is yeah. that we do to stay away from the self, the authentic self, which might be, you know, discovering your sexuality or not even discovering it, uncovering it. Yeah. <laughs> fully. Allowing it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It is like that path. It's like you kept putting things on the path that you're describing. You kept being like, no, no, let's grow more vines. Let's cover it up more. Yeah. Let's yeah. put alcohol in front of it. Let's put pizza in front of it. Let's put avoidance in front of it. You know, let's put um, working full time and getting an executive MBA on scholarship in front of it. Like, even the things that like look kind of good, right? Like we're a lot of avoidance and coping mechanisms throughout my 20s. Let's, let's highlight a little bit one over negative one so people get what yeah. I'm seeing. Like, so, so, and again, I always say math was not my thing, but there were things about it because of my empath sort of philosophical nature. I was like, oh, that makes sense to me. So the fact that positive one, the fraction positive one over positive one actually equals positive one, right? And that positive one over negative one actually equals a whole negative one. And I like to say that positive one over positive one equals oneness, right? It's one, it's all, it's completely aligned. We are completely aligned. And the concept there is, especially for high achievers is, or, and, and, um, overworkers um, is what is fueling what is the the underneath the bottom fraction is it fear that's fueling your achievement 
Is it fear that's fueling your reaching out? What is fueling who you are? If it's a negative one, it will work. You will get a, an executive MBA. Yeah. <laughs> you will graduate from Duke, but you're doing it the whole time with a handbrake on. It takes a lot of effort mm-hmm. because you always feel like not enough. Basically, the negative one is not enough. So it ends up playing out. It, you got to compensate because you're trying, right? So you're, it's a massive leakage, basically, even though it looks like you're succeeding, which you're the exact example, right? You kept shining, but the negative one was your fuel. Yeah. So it, it was going to show up in a ton, a, a ton of leakages, which is what you're describing. And, and then I like to, you know, the equation is like N over negative one equals negative N. And what I love about that is like, put a million dollars at the top as a numerator, put a hundred million, put a billion, whatever that is divided by negative one is still fueled by that fear, by that doubt, by all of that resistance. Like it's not going to bring you the wholeness that you just described. Like N over N or N over positive one equaling the positive N. And I feel like that's so important for all of us to understand because, I mean, I now know so many people where like their N is really, really big and it could be net worth or perceived abundance, these things. And then you realize like there's still so many of, I mean, most of humanity is has a negative one in the denominator. Negative one, yes. And that's why, and that's why we then see disease, disconnection, disunity, disharmony, all of that. Um, and so it's like, ooh, the numerator is probably an easier problem to solve for the increasing of wealth or relationships or whatever. The harder thing to release is this like addiction to, or at least for me, it's been like the addiction to the negative. Beautiful. And actually this conversation is helping reveal like how, how deep seated it is. And it's giving me a little bit more compassion of why this has felt like, you know, it hasn't been an instant release. It's been a progressive one. It's been a cyclical one. And it's taken a lot of different kind of perspectives and modalities to still heal that and bring it into a full oneness. Well, that's why your voice is so important. And I really think, you know, just, just because just from the psychotherapy piece, it's also, that's why people who have it all, and we see this in celebrities, we see this at, who say, I don't know why I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. I have it all. I, like, and I'm still mm-hmm. depressed, that shame, right? Which yeah. and shame and guilt and fear keep adding to the negative one. Like, I should be happy. I know people are watching me. I, you know, why I, I have the MBA, I have the top job. But that not enough program, and this is where the all comes in, right? This running on not enoughness is always going to make us leak. And, and right, what I talk about in heaven on earth is that holistic alignment is positive one over a positive one. It's like mind, body, spirit, and heart. And that's not an easy path. It's not an easy path. But I mean, this whole podcast, it's about encouraging the path <laughs> and that it can happen. It can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and your your volume one is definitely that story. So talk to us a little bit about your volume two, mm-hmm. about 
when did you start like that awakening? How did awakening happen for you? Yeah. Kaylee? Yeah, there's a few, like a few key moments. And I think one of the things that I am so grateful for from my, my own childhood is, is the fact that I did always feel a strong connection to God. Like I was quite a religious child. Like it meant a lot to me that we went to church as a family, that I found this like deep sense of connection and presence that I learned from the saints. Like this, this connection to the the divine was also there along with like the negative one, (laughs) you know? So I'm grateful that this was just within me too, to continually get reawakened on this journey. And in my twenties, um, like the first half of my 20s, I'm living in Washington, D.C. I'm working at a consulting company. I have this whole new group of friends in my cohort, and we're playing kickball every week and drinking all the time. And it wasn't until when I was 25, through the recommendation from a therapist I was seeing at the time, that I stepped foot into an AA room in Washington, D.C. Yes. And I remember showing up and thinking like I would just show up this once basically to tell my therapist that I did and <laughs> and that would be that and that I would realize much like all of my friends like no you don't have a problem right because we're all sort of engaging in similar behavior and you know in that room and in that moment when I heard people sharing so vulnerably about how they were feeling about dysfunction in their family about feelings of not enoughness basically having conversations that so instantly resonated with me and being honest and being vulnerable and not just talking about sports or politics or like just things of the external world. Like I just remember sitting back in my chair and looking around at this room of super diverse people and also seeing a lot of young professional women like me at the time were like, wait, why are you here? Why are you here? Why, you know, like, you look great. Like how could anything? Your, your top negative, your top positive one looks amazing. Like, yeah. And, um, that was such an important step for me, you know, to well, go. What up- a moment of intimacy. Again, we talk, you know, I talk a lot about yeah. human intimacy and that being like core to our, who we are as humans, but what a moment of intimacy, Kaylee. And you're right. Like the, the fact that that space is like that people drop their guard kind of on contact. Mm-hmm. And so there was just something. So it was like, oh my God, this is what I've been missing. You know, the willingness to to go there and even the willingness for me to go there. Cause it's not like I had even tried to really have the conversations that I wanted to with my friends or with my family. Like I didn't feel like I didn't feel safe to confess these things that I was feeling and noticing inside. And so then to walk into a room and see people have that level of comfort and non-judgmental attitude and sense of, yeah, it may look different for all of us, but at the end of the day, it's the same sort of um, just longing for a deeper connection with spirit, self, and others. Like that's kind of what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, like yes. that, that was a game changer. And that year that I spent building new relationships clearing up all the toxins in my body, feeling it it was like all of this lifted. And I found myself going to Spain at the end of the year on the Camino de Santiago for two weeks as a devotional. The path. The path. And 
And it's a pilgrim's journey, right? It's walking away that many people have walked. It's this exact idea of remembering who you are versus I wasn't blazing a new trail. I was following a well-worn one for centuries of people going to connect to self, others, God, and nature via this walk. Well, in the metaphor that you yeah. started us off on, which is the idea of of our separate journeys and coming together because El Camino is all about that. There are parts of El Camino or of this path that you must walk alone. A lot yeah. of people... And then there's parts where you you come onto these like small small side towns or villages that you meet others and that you meet others on the way. Which I mean, the great metaphor of life, right? That that some of it we must walk alone, and some of it we must walk with others, and and that will have different chapters, right? Beautiful, Kaylee. Beautiful. Like we we have three hours to record, right, Claudia? <laughs> okay. So I'm curious. The riffing is incredible. Yes. This is where, you know, so much we've talked about, like kind of falling back in love with like ourselves, our specialness, our uniqueness. Like you just gave me this little chill moment of like this admiration for a younger self that, that went on that journey at the end of that first year of sobriety and how beautiful that metaphor, because there are many, there are many Caminos that get you to Santiago de Compostela in the Northwest of Spain. And then to your point, like when I was walking the Camino, you know, I'm walking every day by myself and then meeting up with people for hours at a time, maybe a half day. And I met Roman and Matthew from Poland, a father-son duo that were walking together. And then in the last day, I met a woman, Lola, from Madrid, whose purpose was just to get away from her family for a few days and have a, some solitude. And our paths crossed and we walked into Santiago me on a twisted ankle with a staff, like hobbling down the hill. <laughs> yes. And, and we walked into Santiago together, like looked up at the cathedral. We had talked all day and we got to go to the pilgrim's mass. Her husband came to pick her up from Madrid. He took us out for Pulpo de Gallego to <laughs> celebrate. And it's like, I had made this most beautiful friendship you know, in, in less than a day, like we instantly hit it off. Right. And we were there for different reasons and we're 30 years apart. And it felt it, it was just like that next little sign that like, okay, all is well. And so that, that year was transformative. The pilgrimage was transformative. I moved out to San Francisco with a work opportunity. And then the next awakening, I really think, which I've never really thought of it before was, you know, when I, when I, I like to think of it as like when I made the decision to switch my Tinder profile from like, I flicked it from men to women. <laughs> like that was the start of another awakening or allowing or a return to self. No, a return. And I love how I think about it. Like the, I don't want to call it uncouth. Right. But it's kind of like I had the phone. I, it's like, boom, now like awakening begin on Tinder. <laughs> Right, right. This it's almost like again these layers. So much of this isn't really um there is an outward journey and we and we in fact I think we're in it right now, sort of going outward, but so much of it requires this actually de-layering with it which sounds like the 12 step groups. I talk about this all the time. Yeah. Psychotherapy, meditation. We do this 
delayering this coming back to self. And so sobriety, camino, and then sexuality. You like, you kept coming back to self. Yes. And so that was with with a swipe. With a swipe, you know, with one swipe, suddenly my world was changed. And, you know, literally, I mean, it was such a short time where I found myself like within three weeks, like in the first loving relationship I had ever been in and with a woman. And, you know, it was that moment where like, I really had never, I truly had not understood when my friends would tell me they're in love with their boyfriends. And like, like, I really didn't get it. Like, I just sort of like nod my head, like, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. But like, I did not understand the feeling whatsoever until I was in that relationship. And then I was like, oh, this was, this was the intimacy that I was desiring, meaning the friendship, the mutual respect, the caring for one another, the actual intimacy, the planning with each other, the having the perfect travel companion and to like bring it full circle um, in this relationship, like a year into it, she and I would go, I um, invited her to come on the Camino de Santiago for a second time, this time through the Portuguese route, the Northern route, as it's called, or no, the Portuguese route, the Northern route was the other one. And, uh, and so then that was a totally different experience, right, of sharing that with someone and what you learn about someone as you walk for 25 kilometers a day over cobblestone, you know, <laughs> like, and how like it deepened our love so much and was just like, again, like completely a part of this awakening story. And I really hadn't put it as part of, like, I hadn't really thought about that as volume two until right now. As Absolutely. Talking. The profound intimacy and actually this idea of not knowing when you used to hear stories about in loveness and, and not, you were being like, Oh, okay. That sounds cool. Right. <laughs> you actually having um, what I call the full, the full chakra light up, like the me of me moments that, that I'm describing. And hello, I know I'm going to be annoying, but that is heaven on earth, which is really complete mind, body, soul, and spirit um, alignment and heart alignment, the moments of in loveness. And that can be, of course, there's a lot of moments of in loveness that we experience. It's all not only with a lover, although yeah. those are very profound. And it sounds like this was extremely aligned one over one. Well, and when you, when you kind of gave me the imagery of the, of the chakras, like, I was like, Ooh, gosh, yeah. Like this must be the way to sense and evaluate relationships moving forward. Cause the second you said that, like I felt the full light up in that relationship from secure attachment in root chakra to like yes. creativity to like, we're building something together. It's like, my heart is open for care. I can express what I desire. I feel I'm able to like tune to the other person, but not, but not, you know, overly do it. Like it was, it was a full, a full light up. And then right, also feeling like, um, like the divine is there. Like, like blessing. Yeah. Like as they're yes. like supporting it, encouraging it and, um, you know, and seeing things shift around me, like seeing the acceptance of my siblings, you know, the invitation to us, like for their first, you know, Easter with the family at, you know, my brother and his new wife's home in Texas at the time. Like to me, those were like symbols too of support and divine being like, yeah, we, 
we see you, you know, and we love you. And, Absolutely, Kaylee. And then the, I think the, maybe not the final, but the third major moment in the second chapter of Awakening was, you know, I, so I'm in that relationship and it gave me so much secure attachment that I was able to pursue joining an early stage startup that um, otherwise would have been felt like a risky move, but I just felt so supported and I made the leap. And kind of two years into that, I closed our first massive four and a half million dollar deal, which was huge for the company at the time. And like we're in a brand new office at the moment. We had been in a tiny like little apartment office, you know, where you could like hear everyone going to the bathroom, you know, early stage startup vibes. And uh, <laughs> and so I walk out the door now in our new office and um, Wes, who's working for me at the time, is blaring Lil Wayne's a Millie, like a mil, you know, just like yeah, and everyone's so excited. And I can now look back and see like I negative one that moment instantly. Where like I didn't feel, I didn't feel the 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 power of what had just happened, the the year and a half of work that it took to move us in this direction, the growth that had had to happen. Like I, it, it fell flat for me, and I found myself. And I think part of it is you know realizing right now like that was a big negative one for myself and my energy. But that night I Googled, I was like, I, again, I hit another thing and it doesn't feel like it leaked out. It immediately leaked. I mean, that in any other moment is, it is the, I know it's, I'm sure you're, I can see that you're feeling it right now. I can see. I'm like, I'm a little, literally just like it moved. It was just this ghost that moved through you because the hole was gaping. The negative one was so profound. The not enoughness, like it was like, now what? Then what? And that, that exactly. is it was like, that gosh, now we actually have to deliver on this thing. Uh, you know, like it, right. you can imagine a whole different world, right? Where I walk out of that room and I'm like celebrating with my team and I'm so hyped and we like, go out that night, you know, and instead, like I couldn't sleep that entire night and I was looking for another escape. And I Googled like women's retreat, Hawaii, no idea why. And I am grateful for these little hits (laughs) and for Google, you know, like instant. Yes. Kind of like with Tinder. It was another one of those Tinder moments. I'm going to swipe to women and see what happens here. I'm going to Google women's retreat, Hawaii. And I found myself two weeks later, having my first experience being fully embodied and the leader of the retreat, Cindy Silbert at the time had me do an exercise where I stood in front of this room of 15 women who had come from all over the world to this relatively like austere place in Maui. And she had me stand in front of the room and look everyone in the eye. And so I stood up there and I'm just like smiling, looking at everyone. And she had them just notice what they felt. And then she took me out of the room. That's pure intimacy, right? Looking, looking people in the eyes, just pure intimacy. Yeah. And it was, mm-hmm. so, so that was the first round. She takes me outside and she really just has me sway, like sway, release energy. And I know she was saying some things too. And like, 
really getting me out of here, right? Head. Looking back now, I'm like, oh, she was getting me out of my head, getting into my body, feeling my feet grounded on the floor, you know, shoes off in nature. She had me go back in the room and do the same thing. Look everyone in the eye. And I could feel it and they could feel it. And it was like a tear moving experience because suddenly it wasn't just like a, a mental glance. It was like a full body experience of each person and in turn self. And, you know, Cindy then asked the room, like, what was your experience like of Kaylee? I mean, I was going to say it was night and day, but you know, it was, it was exactly this, this distinction between volume two and volume three, their experience of me at first was like, Oh, okay. Here's someone who's like, you know, stands up straight, gives good, like puts on the performance of like, I am looking at you. Like I'm following the rule. Okay. I'm asked to look at you and like, I'm smiling, you know, and I looked pretty. So like, that's what they, that's what they saw. Of course, the second version, they felt something. They felt someone who was in their heart, who was in their body, who was giving off a totally different energy. And it happened in two minutes. We're outside for two minutes. And you could just see like they were shocked. I was shocked. You know, like we were all just shocked that there was such a stark difference. And you know, it was that moment and later in that retreat, we we're expressing our desires. And the word that came to me was intimacy, Claudia. And I didn't even know what I really meant at the time. I just was like, intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. Mm. And that is what would spark the term soul excellence coming to me six months later. It's what would spark me realizing like there's this deeper heart centered mission that I am on. And it has to start with how I'm being in the world the work that I'm doing, like everything I do needs to have that full, that full light up. Yes. Because without it, like it's that negative one realized, like it's so strong. So like without that full light up, without fully moving toward this heaven on earth, I am leaking. But God, like that experience was, I mean, transformational. And it was so simple. So profound. It's so profound. And what you're reminding me of, Kaylee, it's again, it's the return to self, right? The, the homecoming, the homecoming, because, um, and, and, you know, we, this is how we work. And because it's actually by releasing things and releasing the trauma that we are able to be in our bodies more. Mm-hmm right? Dissociating and leaving our body, especially for empaths, that happens all the time. Um, We're away from the self in Mm -hmm. so many ways, but this coming back to the body, this coming home, this journey back home fully of, of really being in the body. So that's what your, that image of you swaying and her having you do that is like, come on, just sit inside yourself, which we talk about yeah. the empath leader all the time like this, sit inside yourself is, is the coming home. And Kaylee, what I want to highlight here, especially in terms of your volume three or heaven on earth is I really hold, and 
I, I know that you're aligned to this. I really hold that the higher we reach for the divine or for spirituality or for the invisible, it doesn't matter. Give it a name. God, universe, the quantum field, it doesn't matter for the invisible. Um, the more we're able to live in this incarnated human experience, the more we adore being here sensually alive in our bodies. So I, I just love these images that you're giving us of you're actually giving us anecdotes to, to this whole conversation of heaven on earth. So then what happened? Like, so, so all of a sudden soul excellence talk, say a little bit about that combination of words. Cause you and I have talked about it a lot. That's very specific soul excellence to the Kaylee O'Keefe life. So after, after my experience on, on Maui, you know, two things happened. I went back to the tech company and for a while, like I completely changed how I was showing up. For example, I was starting meetings, not in your typical, like everyone's typing away and like someone just starts talking to like, everyone puts their stuff down. And I, before I said anything, I would just give that same eye contact to each person. And I saw how that changed the room entirely. So I was playing with this like newfound power of like being in the body and realizing that I could get so much more work done with my energy than just the mental activity. And so, so that was happening. And then I was working with Cindy and we were, we were doing some work together. And one day we're in a meditation over zoom and you know, I was reflecting on, as you know, my fifth grade teacher had the excellence book. And so excellence was really important to me. Excellence achievement, obviously. And, um, and I'm like, but that's really not what I mean right now, because it's never been about like, because it hasn't been about beating other people. It has been about being like the best version of myself and yeah. getting to the depths of like what I'm capable of and what I'm feeling. And, and as I'm describing it, Cindy's like, great. Right, you're about soul excellence. She said it to me in this conversation. And we were both like, yes, that's what you're about. You are about excellence of the soul and excellence being the pursuit of greatness. It's, it's a journey. It's a pursuit. It's a quest. It's a pilgrimage it's the Holy Grail. It's the Holy Grail. If we really go back, right? It's it's looking for that. It is the mission. Mm -hmm. Wow, I love the Holy Grail image, right? Like you took me to Indiana Jones, right? And seeing all the shiny chalices that like look really pretty, right? And then it's like, it's it's this wooden cup, you know? Like this is the... Well, in the oh. knighthood, in the knighthood, right? It, right, exactly. It is the wooden cup. It is the back to nature, the back to basics, the back mm. to self. It's beautiful. But we must travel we, and we must slay our demons. <laughs> That's what the knights had to do. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Let's hold that for a second. Um, so, so this comes and now I'm like, I'm on fire, right. With this word, with this idea, with this concept. And I don't, I don't know what to, to do with it. 
And again, I love sort of this younger version of myself that was acting on a lot of faith and like, and trust. And so January, 2020, I made the decision, like I'm leaving tech, I'm pursuing whatever, again, it was a concept. It's not like I was working behind the scenes on developing a program or like doing anything entrepreneurial. It was just like excitement around this concept. And in March of 2020, right as the pandemic's hitting, I'm invited to author a chapter in a book called Awakening, Meet the Woman Birthing a New Earth. And again, just prescient for where we're at now. And it was in that book that I articulated the vision for soul excellence and this journey, this pilgrimage that we must go on from introspection to integration, full body alignment with the lessons that we're learning to initiation, intentional initiation, new action all the way through to inspiration. And I really think that's what soul excellence is about is like guiding people up and through this process of then sharing their stories to inspire self and others. And then ultimately the fifth thing of soul excellence, which is innovation. And the reason why I talk about innovation and why I think it's so relevant to our conversation, to our collaboration on the empath leader book is it's creating new ways of being, living, thinking, making money, finding relationship, like of creating essentially heaven on earth. Of course, I wouldn't have called it that at the time, but so, so it's, this is why I'm actually so passionate about soul excellence publishing is because this is me writing that chapter in that book. Um, it was the catalyst. It was the coming out. It was the opportunity to clarify to reflect on my journey, to clarify my thinking, and then to become the kind of person that publishes a book. It's something I'd always wanted to do, but assumed I would do it when I was 70 years old and had nothing but time. So the fact that I could do it right now, shift the course of my life right now, as a result, small is all, all is small, shift the course of human history as a result. Oh, by the way, meet incredible women from around the world who were doing things that like didn't even make sense to me at the time. They were light workers and healers. You know, it's a world that I'm now much more in. But at the time I felt like, you know, blazer corporate Kaylee, like kind of out of place in this book. But of course I wasn't right. I'm just this expression of the same awakening journey. And as we've talked about in this conversation, the the story of many, you know, my peer set, right. Of the, the high achievers who like do it all. And I'm like, wait a second. So that opened the door for me. And it's what I then started to bring to other corporate executives, the creation of these books, starting with leading through the pandemic, giving people space to go on this inner journey. And as a result, write a new story, create a new future. Um, Yeah. I love these moments, Claudia, to like, this is what we need to like to remind ourselves, right? (laughs) Where you're like, absolutely. Oh yeah. This is pretty fucking good. (laughs) Like, Let's keep going, you know? And it's a, it's sort, it's a witnessing. It's a, certainly a witnessing with a mirror in front of you, right? The witnessing of each other, the communing in, in, in doing this together, but also really providing the space to be a witness to you and your journey. And, um, just, just sort of in my, 
whole place, uh, you know, my role as a psychotherapist, although I'm not fully in that role when I do the podcast, but I could see the healing nature of, of at least this particular podcast being a place of witness. Yeah. Um, to, to people's journeys, to how this has played out and that every journey has these sequences and yeah. these discoveries, right? Um, so Kaylee, I'm, I'm, I am aware that, that you, you, you know, we could go on for three hours and we will, I'm going to have you back on the podcast because we, um, psychically riff so well together. We, we really move in step. But I'm aware that you have another call. So let's, let's. I thought we gave ourselves so much time. And then it's like, of course we didn't, you know, like you're going to talk to Claudia block off a whole day. That's absolutely right. Because this is, this is our jam. This is our jam. I always say, I just posted it on Instagram that um, one of the ways that empaths make love is through conversation. Profound conversation is is really just important. Yeah. And I, I also think that's a great measure and marker for an amazing relationship, amazing relationships. Um, I always have this fantasy that if someone says, hey, or if on a dating profile, what's your favorite thing to do? My image is sit around a table, yeah. whether it be with a family who's having great conversations. I know my son and I do it. And my great dear profound friends and colleagues like you mm -hmm. and me, mm -hmm. we do this is, and again, isn't that again, going back to just original moments of communing around a table in an empath leader. That's the image I give of our zoom calls. We're around a table. We're eating, we're feasting, we're breaking bread together and we're having conversation. So why don't we talk about, oh, go, go ahead. What does well, this just, You're reminding me that I should update my dating profile to be like, it, it really, for me, it's like, it's hiking and talking. Like, you know, I have to be on the move, right? Yes. So it's hiking and talking. And if you can do that, like we're, you know, <laughs> match made in heaven. Really, really like it's, it's very, very true. It's very yeah. true. And in fact, that reminds me of our awakening. Yeah. Because we've been working together, you and I had were were in a mastermind group together. Two Was that twenty twenty two, twenty twenty one? It is two. Know. Years ago. Yeah, we yeah. like the pandemic on until now feels like a blur of awakening. <laughs> because it really was for the planet and for us, but it was. Um, but it was in Italy that you and I decided to walk around this town together okay. where we actually intimately like this had conversation. And I think it was the awakening of our true connection beyond being um, just professional women in a mastermind mm -hmm. that that walk, that camino that we did together around around the sites around the parks in a really 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 small town in Italy like it was small it was truly pebble stone streets it was beautiful we'll never forget it will we kaylee cuz prior 
you know, we had known each other for six or nine months prior to that moment, you know, met in person for the first time in Southern California. And I think to both us, like we both had our guards up for kind of that first six or nine months in that mastermind experience. And, you know, my perception of you from day one was like, oh, there was an intimidation factor. I'm like, okay, this woman's very wise on day one, like is having to show up as a leader in her prowess as, as not a formally as a therapist, but as someone who can hold space, who can witness, who can allow people to be with their feelings. And I felt so intimidated by your prowess at the most, like, oh gosh. Also because I felt like you could see right through me, which I think you can. Um, <laughs> so I was like, this feels uncomfortable. Yes, um, yes. And then, and then I know at least, and, and you can share here's like your experience of like kind of feeling out the entire time of like, what is your role? What are you sharing? What are you not? Sh-? You know, like all the experiences that we were having and it, sometimes it does actually take like being in a totally different country where like you feel different. The energy is different. We're in this medieval town just to like all of these things drop mm-hmm. away. And it is a prior. It's like going back to an even more primal way of connecting and being. And so wandering those streets together, going into the crypt, being surrounded by, you know, depictions of the Virgin Mary. It was like, you could feel that full light up where in our experiences prior to that in the container of this mastermind, we're like, you know, maybe this was lit up, you know, some of the chakras, but it wasn't all of them. And that, you know, then kicked off, of course, the last year and a half of us witnessing each other in our leadership gifts and now stepping forward into a much bigger collaboration in the year ahead. Absolutely. And I would describe it. So there's something about what we experienced together. I would describe it as our, um, I don't know. It was like this amazing moment of truly and profoundly discovering that we were both empaths in every single way because of the way that we were completely psychically and physically experiencing how the the ancient texture of that town of the crypt of the the divine like we could feel centuries inside our bodies and between us and um so when a, like just so that I one of the things that empaths do is that they experience intimacy with with ancient relics. They experience intimacy with places like that. And for us to be talking about this, so it was an awakening, a moment of um, I'm an empath, you're an empath. It's this tribal experience of like, whoa, right? There's, there's something ancient about us. And Mm -hmm. of course I was already doing so much around empaths, but really organically, because for the empath, the organic sensations in the body is really who we are. It's not just that we see others, we literally experience them in, in our bodies and in, in just our multidimensional ways of being. So why don't we talk a little bit about our project since we just have a few minutes left. We literally have. Uh, no, I'm like so tempted to like 
hit cancel, but it would be such bad form for me to I do. know, I know. In terms of soul excellence, let's let's do this quickly. So Keely, we have you you invited me to co-author the book Diversity and Humanity. And that was just talk about a self-esteem experience. Like I really never felt like a writer or an author, but you really invited me to that. And that was after you did my empath leader training for 12 weeks. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Because that's what we're doing now. Yeah. So, I mean, our experience in Italy, like that brought us close together. And then I joined you for the three-month empath leader training. And you specifically call it a training because you're, you're going to learn the skills that you have. It's like increase your competence of your natural gifts and tendencies. Oh, by the way, also become aware that you have them as part of it. And that experience last year was so transformative for me because it, it put everything in perspective and it helped me see myself in a different way. It gave me so much more clarity, conviction, confidence. And, and then of course, camaraderie, like being with other people who just, who also felt the same way, who got it, who love nothing more than to talk about the virtues who love to talk nothing more about where we're headed as a, a, as a planet. And so it was so like comforting in that sense as well. And then as you know, like I've gone back to the recordings from Empath Leader all the time. Like this summer, I would just be walking the beach and you would be in my ear as I'm listening to like, okay, what are the clears, you know? Okay, well, how does the empath get usurped sometimes by the narcissist? I mean, it yes. it's um it's so good. And because of my experience in that, like it, it, it gave me a new lens from which to view my own gifts. And then last year we were together in the book, the diversity and humanity. And as we're thinking about 2024 and like this particular moment in time, because I think, yeah, we do have a pulse on like what's going on. It just made sense to bring like, to bring us together as two sovereign leaders, but we're coming on the Camino, merging together and putting out this incredible book called The Empath Leader. Yes. And so with Claudia's wisdom, guiding the experience, sharing what it what is an empath, what does it mean to be an empath leader? How do we operate? And like, you're giving us the gifts of like being seen. And then through the leaders that are sharing their stories in this book, we're then giving the world examples of people who are operating in different fields, different industries, who are just doing different things. And yet with that energy of an empath and the whole purpose of this book, and, you know, I think of every book that we do is sparking a movement mm -hmm. is to bear witness to the empath, give rise to the empath leader. So while there have been this term empath has been around for a while and empaths have been doing the work, whether consciously or not to heal, to write a new story. You know, they are the ones like you described who are journaling, who've been going to therapy, who've had these awakenings. But this book is our shared call to arms for these yes. individuals to now sit on their throne, not to, to like reign as a tyrant over a kingdom, but as to show and lead the way and innovate to innovate and bring heaven on earth. And we're all going to do it in different ways. Yes, so absolutely. That's beautiful. what you and I are up to. <laughs> Just a small project, starting a whole global movement, yeah. you know? <laughs> yes. And the idea of sort of this, how to use your organic characteristics and skills of the empath who, as I always say, when people, 
you know, they all say, well, but I'm not a leader. And then because the empath hides so much yeah. because of the etiology of the empath, but, but to say, yeah, but you showing up right now with the characteristics of collaboration, cooperation, it isn't hierarchical. It isn't about dominance anymore. This new earth is not about that way of leading. And so the call to arms is that right now, what the earth is begging for is not just empathy and not just emotional intelligence. It is this full body experience of empath leadership. And there's a whole bunch of people out there who are empath leaders and have no idea. And so you and I are just on fire about calling this tribe and but also just saying to a whole bunch of people who are hiding and saying hey you're really gifted and i want to say it doesn't mean that you're just leading out there on the planet it might mean that you're the one hmm. in your family that says i am going to do it this way now i yeah. am not going to bring all the ancestral trauma so Anyway, so Kaylee. We have such an incredible group of empath leaders yes. co-authoring with us. I know we have space for a few more to join us if you feel connected or called to this mission. And I think what you said of the distinction between empathy and empath is really important because what I noticed, you know, I spend a lot of my time um, kind of in between the corporate world and the entrepreneurial world, the spiritual world, the material world is I guess I'm seeing how easily like the concepts of empathy and emotional intelligence can almost get hijacked. They can get hijacked by corporate. And what I mean by that is that it's like, they're still not speaking to, to the empath. And the reason like the empath is kind of rare on the one hand, all humans are empaths, but I think what it shows is like it, it, there are, some unique traits and understanding that about ourselves is super important. And it's, it's not the same as like going to a, a one hour listening training webinar, helpful and necessary, but like as empaths, that's what we do anyway. And so there's this leadership component that I am so happy that we're bringing. It's just like bringing together soul excellence, empath leader. The world might not put those words together. Yes. Because the empath has been serving a lot of leaders and leaders of the old way for a really long time. Exactly. So we're like, exactly. we're here putting these terms together. Exactly. Beautiful. And yes, there is an invite. We are inviting. It's We are inviting other. If, if this lights you up, reach out. Reach out. Reach out. Hit us up. up. Graduate, it, you know, self-esteem graduation. Yeah, self-esteem by joining this book with us. And we're hoping we'll have to, to have it out by February or March. But yeah, that's like, just right the, your chapter. The stories that I've, I've seen, Claude, over the last three years of like what writing a chapter has then sparked in individuals, what they've gone on to do, the other books they've gone on to the author, the movements that they've started, the summits that they're building, like no one comes out of this experience without being transformed. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. It, it's, um, and as an empath, you feel that intuitively, you know, like, wait a second, this is kind of a big deal. If you're not an empath, like you might just like, D -d 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 -d, write a chapter, but as empaths, we're like, wait, something's happening here. Yes. 
And what I think is really cool about you and I coming together is like we bring two different energies, two different perspectives to this whole experience. And it's like this, it's just this beautiful integration of the journey that we've been on and like fully, as you say, like locking arms, we're doing this and there, there is no going back. And you've seen all the ways where I try everywhere. We try to go back. We try to hide, we try and do the negative one. And I'm grateful for you to be like, we're not doing that anymore. And that's your leadership in this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we're not doing it alone anymore. Yeah. That's the thing. Right now, we're not doing it alone. So, Kaylee, one of the ways that I'm, I close out my podcast last week is I'd like to do this with you, too, is I'd like us to lean back and take a deep breath. And breathing out and just coming together in our field. And, of course, taking a deep breath calms our central nervous system gets us away from hypervigilance and this is just heaven on earth and this moment with you has been heaven on earth so let's take another deep breath and with this we just align our energetic fields and anyone who's listening to us right now if you're doing this with us this is timeless and it's human and it's divine Coming back. Healy, thank you so much. On fire. You. Let's, you know, schedule all day Sunday for round two. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We're coming back. So people subscribe, write in the comments. See, you know, if this lit you up, let us know and see you soon. Thank you, Claudia. Okay. Thank you.